Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Vineyard Verses, um, we're heading to the end of this now, and uh, we're going to start a brand new series uh, in a few weeks called Living is Christ. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, um, finish up this series with these ideas, these foundational passages that we've been sharing. My hope has been that you'll take some time to memorize some of these verses. We're breaking them down a verse at a time. And that these sort of form for us a, a great foundation for our Christian walk. And, and we looked at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 together. And we, we talked about, you know, the importance of, of uh, our 24-7 access to God. And having a throne room perspective in our lives. And then we looked at Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And we talked about a lot of things there. But what I keep wanting to get back to is, you know, remember, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and experience a peace of God that way. Then we looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, and I said those verses are, are where we get our mission as a church, uh, and that our mission is one more. You guys know that if you've been coming. One more lost child back to dad. One more, it's the reason that we do all the things that we do. And, um, and so we're, we're all about, you know, that whole process. And then now we're looking in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and these verses, for me, sort of encapsulate our goal. So if our mission is one more, our goal is all in. You know, our, our goal is that the people who come in to know Jesus become fully developed and devoted followers of Christ, all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we've been looking at these verses and talking about that part of it <clears throat> and, and this most important sort of thing that Jesus answered when asked, what's the most important thing? Love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to dig into the second part of that here in just a moment. So that's the intro transition. There's always a bad joke or something. Had this, uh, actually bought a, a new vacuum cleaner six months ago. And so far, all it's been doing is gathering dust. I know, it wasn't good, but I was, I was busy this week. Good excuse. I was going to wear my camouflage shirt today, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> Sorry. And I just thought I'd update you. The guy that fell into the upholstery machine uh, is now fully recovered. Uh, scripture reading here on purpose, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Uh, and so we were looking at those verses. I brought in uh, a, a little um, idea from the Gospel of Mark uh, and um, where he adds uh, in that Gospel, actually it's added the idea of loving God with all your strength and um, it's someone else speaking at that point, but Jesus said you've spoken um, rightly. And, and so we looked at, so far, in, in this passage of Scripture, we've talked about loving God with all our heart. And I said that the heart is our control panel. You know, it's the motivation seat of our lives. And we're to love God with all our soul, and that's our personality and our emotions. We're to love God with all our mind. We talked about knowledge and wisdom and our holy imagination in that process. Last week, we talked about loving God with all our strength, and I said that's really the outward expression. 
of our love to God, and we're to love Him with the strength that He gives us, and we talked about the importance of that and the idea of living by trying to do the next right thing. Um, all of those have been what our discussion has been with these verses. But uh, today, I want to start a, a couple-of-week discussion on the, uh, the second part of the commandment. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And so I want <clears throat> to talk about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and, and how this type of love springs out of our love for God. Uh, and so once we get that first part, loving God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength, then, then this is the, the love that should be springing out of us in the process. We get that sort of moving in the right direction, and then this is the love that happens. We're loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I'm going to talk this week about loving our neighbors, and then the next time we're together, I want to talk about what, what he's talking there when he talks about loving ourselves and what that looks like. So point number one in our notes, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor. And, and so um, I think it's pretty important if we're going to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our strength, and we're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves, we need to have an understanding of who our neighbor is. And these verses are, uh, that we're looking at are kind of incorporated into a story um, that, that Jesus uh, uses. And most of you know this pretty famous story. It's a parable. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, so most of you will know the stories I read it, but watch how it's, you know, tied into these very verses we've been studying. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. <clears throat> On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, well, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Perfect question. <clears throat> In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So here we have this, this great parable in response to the question, who is your neighbor? And, and it's, a, it's a fascinating parable. Um, and there's lots of different ways to look at that. One of the things about parables is that they're... Um, it's, a, it's a, an illustration. Jesus uses parables as illustrations. And what he's trying to do is to engage you to think about what's happening. Because um, it's, a, it's, it's well known in, a, in its sort of teaching environment that a story 
is something you're much more likely to remember and think about than if somebody just gives you a bunch of facts. And so, so Jesus was telling this story in response to the question, who is my neighbor, in response to this whole discussion on love. And it, it, he uses some interesting um, components in this story. So uh, a man, and we're assuming it was a Jewish man, um, is accosted by robbers and he's beaten and um, stripped of his clothes uh, and left dying basically on the side of the road. And, and so he's just left there. And a priest comes by, a Jewish, a Jewish priest, walks by and, and sees but doesn't want to see what's going on and quickly moves to the other side of the road and walks by without doing anything. And then a Levite, who would have been, you know, someone in that line uh, of, you know, the, the priestly line of some sort, and uh, he, he also walks by and uh, he gets a look and he quickly moves to the other side of the road, you know, so he doesn't have to deal with what's happening. Then a Samaritan comes by. Now, in the, in the story, you have to understand what's important is the Samaritans were, the Jewish people didn't care for the Samaritans. So the established religious community didn't care at all for the Samaritans. In fact, they went out of their way to avoid them. They, they would walk around Samaria. They, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. They, they avoided them. And the, um, we know that Jesus didn't do that. So he was showing something in the there's a, another story where he meets a Samaritan woman at the well and, and ministers to her and tells her how to get into the kingdom. Uh, <clears throat> but the established religious community would not have anything to do with Samaritans, so he, he's sort of making sure he gets their attention. This Samaritan comes by, and when he sees the, the person in trouble, he stops, and he helps him. And um, he goes out of his way to see what's happening and to see what he can do in the process. And so... Um, Jesus said to the guy who asked the question of these three, who's the neighbor? Uh, and then he said, well, the, the one that had mercy on him. And he said, okay, good. That's what you need to go. Go and do the same thing. If you want to love your neighbors well, that's what it looks like. Uh, and so um, your neighbor is the person that you encounter in your day-to-day -day life who needs to be shown in some measure the mercy of God. Your neighbors are the, the wounded, broken, lost people that you're around every day who desperately need the compassion of God in their lives. They might live in your neighborhood. They may work with you. Um, they're the, 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 the servers at restaurants. They're the cashiers at the grocery stores. They're the counter people at the fast food restaurants. Um, they're the drivers who don't yield when they're supposed to. <clears throat> they're the people that you encounter throughout each and every day who are in need of the mercy that we've been shown by our Heavenly Father. And so that's who our neighbors are. Now, um, sometimes we hesitate to get involved in situations. And I, I want to I talk about this because um, I, have a, I have an idea why um, that we, we sort of hesitate to look at the people that are around us. And really, that's what I, uh, who I think our neighbors are, the people that we encounter every day in these situations. And that mostly what we have to do is we just have to be willing to look, um, to, to open our eyes and to see who's around us. Because I think you'd be surprised when you look at how many people around you just need a little sort of something from God. Uh, and it, it doesn't need to be as, as uh, you know, sort of as blatant as, 
this, this thing on the road, although that's a part, but, but it's, it's little things and it's being observant. I think the big difference was the, the guy was, saw and then was willing to do something. <clears throat> now, I think sometimes we, even if we see something, then we hesitate because we think that the situation is going to overwhelm us because perhaps at some point in the time we've gotten involved in something and then all of a sudden it was like our problem. And, and I'm not talking about that either. If, I like this story because what the Samaritan did, you know, he went to this person that was, and he used what he had um, pretty much with him. He bandaged his wounds, so he obviously had some bandages with him. He had some, poured some oil onto the situation, so he obviously had that. He had a couple of coins with him. He took that, took the guy over there, took some time, but he, he used what he had to help this guy. It's not like he fixed everything. He didn't, you know, track down the robbers, get all his stuff back, get his money back, get his clothes back. He didn't, he, he did what he could, but mostly it was an awareness that there was a situation, and so he stopped to see what he could do. I think a lot of times that's what's required of us, is just a willingness to see what we might do. And that many times it's, um, we could pray for somebody. We, we can, maybe there's something that we can do. But it doesn't mean that we got to fix everything. And I think sometimes we take it on like, well, now it's on us. If I go move into that situation, i got to fix. And, and that's not the case. You know, God's the one who's in charge of all that anyway. So mostly it's just a willingness to look outside ourselves and see um, if there's something going on that we can do. So, so generally it's, it's like you, you, uh, you encounter people every day. And, and you may just get so used to encountering them, you don't look beyond the surface to see if there's something that they might need. You'd be surprised how many people just need someone to talk to for a minute. And, and by that I mean they need to talk and you need to listen. They really don't need to be talked to. They need someone with not very many, not very many listeners anymore, just someone that can listen for a little bit of time, changes people's lives. Sometimes they just need a, some sort of kind word. Or uh, so, there's so much power in words. An encouraging word changes people's lives. Hardly anybody goes around with encouraging words anymore. It just doesn't happen. Most people are looking for something to complain about, and that's all they ever do. And, and they forget that there should be a... If you're a complainer, you better figure out how to have a healthy balance and start saying good stuff about the good things that are happening. It just changes the way you look at things. Um, little things go a long way in people's lives. But we just have to be willing to see that and, and understand that these are the people that are around us all the time. So, and, and, and so all of that, again, possible because we're loving God first all in. And now I told you last week, everything we do is by the strength that He gives us and just being ready to, to say, God, is there something that you want me to do? Whenever I hear that story of the Samaritan, and I always think of the Sunday school story where the teacher's talking about this guy being beaten and robbed and left half dead on the side of the road. And, these people passing by, you know, and, and, and the, the Sunday school teacher asked this little girl, hey, what, would, what do you think you would do if you, if you came up to a person and you saw him, you know, lying there and he'd been, he'd been stripped and beat and was lying there half dead, what would you do? And the little girl said, I think I'd throw up. Um, I know that's really not part of the story, but that's in my mind and it has to come out so I can continue on. So, <laughs> that's what it looks like. And so we need to be aware of who our neighbors are. Now, secondly, our love for people is evidence that we truly love God. See, like I said, it's springing out of that. It's going to happen. When you are all in with God, this love for people will start to come out of you uh, in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, and 1 John 3.14, it says, We know 
that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Something happens to us when we come to Christ where, where it starts to become less about us and more about Him, and He has a great love for people that begins to impact us over time. It certainly should. We're not trying to earn anything uh, in the process. It's a response to the love that He's giving us. John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Repeated three times in that verse. And Jesus said that's the way that people know we're his disciples. How well we love. Some people want to pick on that. Oh, we're just supposed to love other Christians like that. Okay, but, but so if you start with that, it'll spring in everybody else. Um, but the reality is that needs to become who we are and, and that this is, see, this is what the church, how the church should be known as the most loving people on the planet. That should, that's what he said. That's what Jesus said. That should be the hallmark of the church. And unfortunately, we, we don't always have that reputation in the world around us. And, and that's on us to fix that. We, we, we need to love better. Um, we just do. We've, we've you know, I, I told you in that last chunk of Scripture that somehow we, instead of being witnesses, which is what we're called to be, we somehow switched into being judges, which we're not called to be, and it came out in us becoming critical of the very world that we're called to love well. And we stop loving them well. And, and we justify it. We need to love people well. That's what we're called to. Um, as we love people well, we have opportunities to share the gospel. And as people come to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets in there and starts dealing with the mess. Um, and we, we need to allow that process to take place instead of trying to clean up the mess without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. So, um, so we need to love well. We need to be thinking about how to love well. What does it look like to love well? How do we love our neighbor? Who is my neighbor? What does that look like? Could it, could it be these people that are, that are around me? Maybe, maybe what can I do? Can I, can I look a little deeper to see if there's something I can do? And here's a really good way to start loving better. Um, and, and most of you know this concept. I've talked about it, but I keep talking about it because it's easy to forget. Third thing, most of you know it is this, is the golden rule. The golden rule. Even, even you know, that's taught to kids everywhere, the golden rule. Um, and I think a lot of people don't even know it's Scripture, but it is. Matthew seven twelve. so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Another one of those neat verses summing up the law and the prophets, just like the verse we're looking at. Kind of handy when you... Anybody else like summaries of things? I like summaries. What, what's, the, what's the summary? Summary, here you go. Golden rule. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, that's what love in the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And, and that love is different from what we tend to experience in the world and unfortunately what we tend to mimic. So in our society, rather than living under the golden rule, um, we, we tend to live under something let's just call the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity is this, um, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Another way to say it. 
I'm going to treat you the way that you treat me. I'm going to look to see how you treat me, and I will treat you in kind. If you treat me well, I will treat you well. If you treat me poorly, I will treat you poorly. That's what you're going to get. Insult for insult. You know how this whole thing works in the culture around us. And um, in some ways, societally, that's fairly important because it keeps, it keeps the, the society intact because it's not all in the kingdom of God yet. But for people in the kingdom, followers of Christ, the law of reciprocity falls so far short of the standard that Jesus gives us that it's not nearly enough because, see, we have a different standard. This golden rule stuff is completely different. We're to treat people the way we want to be treated. That's how we treat people. We treat them the way we want to be treated. It doesn't matter what's coming back at us. That's between them and God. Now, don't put yourself in, you know, unhealthy or or bad situation. That's what he's talking about either. But, but just because you insult me doesn't give me the right to insult you back in the kingdom. Um, it's not what it's called for. I need to start looking beyond the surface and go, well, why is that even happening? And, and I can usually find reasons why. And I, I want to treat you regardless. I want to treat you how I would like for you to treat me. Whether you do or not, it's not the issue. Um, it moves back into the highway. You know what I mean? I... <laughs> I need to treat people the way I'm going to be treated, which means I need to let them merge even when I think that they should have merged four miles ago when I did. But you get it? It's, it's, it's how you want to be treated, not how they've treated you. And so we're to be kind to everybody, not just the people that are kind to us. Very significant difference in, in how most of us respond in the world. And so we treat others right regardless of how they treat us. We, we treat other people the way, ultimately, we want to be treated. Think about that. In every situation, you need to treat people the way you want to be treated, with a measure of respect and decency and concern and compassion. Um, and again, you know, if, if someone is, you know, bent on hurting you, then you put some boundaries up. That's certainly not what we're going to do. But, but, but I'm, you know, looking at how we treat people, significant in the way that we move through this sort of area of our lives. And, and so, you know, this week, I, I need you to think about that. Because next time we're together, I want to talk about loving ourselves. And it hinges on some of this. Um, uh, you know, are you aware of who your neighbor is and what that looks like? And, and then spend some time thinking about this dynamic of the golden rule, what that means. And are you trying consistently with the help of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit to treat people the way you want to be treated, or are you treating them in the manner that they're treating you? And, and start taking a look at that, and then ask God to help you make some changes in those areas. That's what's impacting, that will impact the world with the love of God and the people around us, which is what we need to do. Okay, that's good enough for this one. That time went very quickly. If you're watching by video or on the webcast or wherever, thank you. Appreciate that. Come and visit us. When you get a chance, if you need prayer, go to the website, and uh, it's, wait, let me see, it's right there. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and there's a prayer page there, and uh, send us your prayers, and we'll pray for you. We'll see you soon.